Like I said before, and I, I say this in a way to shock you a little bit, and maybe, uh, maybe that's not a good thing, but we do celebrate this Sunday. We really do. Uh, this Sunday is the Sunday where it is a time where we reflect and we think about the um, ongoing persecution going on in the world, all over the world, for per people who name the name of Jesus as their hope. And that's such a foreign concept to us. We just don't get that. But my brother right there who's going to be going back to Iran, you get it to some extent. Even though you're part of our culture, you still understand what it's like to be your friends there who name the name of Jesus in Iran. It's hazardous to your health. I got heroes. These people are my heroes. Seriously, every month I get an email from Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution. Oh, there's two of them. Com. There's a .org too. But com is the one that I go to. Persecution.com. And every month they send me an email and I hear about my heroes. One of which is this guy right here. His name is Din Van Truck. He's a pastor in Vietnam. He was savagely beaten on the orders of some authorities by the name of Doc Luke Kamun. He was visiting another pastor and his wife. The authorities came in and they beat him unconscious. They were pressuring him to renounce his Christian faith. And they warned him this. It seems ironic what they warned him. They warned him, they said, listen, we already told you that if you persist in your faith like this, they would no longer, and then here's the, here's the quote, they would no longer enjoy the protection afforded by the law. Yeah. Not a lot of protection there of the law. You can, you can just go and do a web search on any of this persecution. You can go to World Evangelical. World Evangelical, is that right? Uh, I got it later. I'll show you later all these websites. WorldEvangelical.org. And then you go to their Religious Liberties Commission. You go to that site. You can just read about all the atrocities that are taking place. Usually on this Sunday, no matter what series we're in, I break from the series and we just talk about this. We're in the book of Acts. We don't have to break at all. Why don't you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. We're just going to see it right here. Acts chapter 13. The end of 13, we're actually going to be in verses 14, uh, 1 to 7 this morning, but just to refresh your memory, what has happened is Paul and Barnabas have been set apart by the church, the church that was up north of Jerusalem in Antioch. Paul and Barnabas have been set apart, and uh, they're on this journey. They're just traveling around. And they're telling, everywhere they go, they're telling people about Jesus. If remember, they first went to the island, I don't have the map this week, but they went to the island of Cyprus, and there they started on, on uh, one end of the island, and they all went, kind of went all the way over the island to the other end, and they told people about Jesus. Even the governor of the island actually comes to faith in Christ. And this week we're going to see that uh, they have moved from there. They moved, we saw it last week, that they went to a place up, they went back to land, and then they went up north in a place called Pisidian Antioch. And I just want to read what happens at the end, while well, we closed last week in verse 49 of, of chapter 13. It says, The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. So you have this influence that's happening by Paul and Barnabas, and I'm sure as he's telling other people, it's going all over the place. By the way, that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be just about one person. 
Uh, it should be just more and more life on life. Um, it just happens that way. It spreads all over the place. Verse 50, but the Jews, these are the ones that were opposed. That's what that means there. I'm not saying anything against necessarily Jewish people. It's just there were Jewish people who opposed what was happening with this spread of fulfilled Judaism, which is the Messianic Judaism, or Christ being the Savior of the Old Testament. They incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. Now, I want you to feel that. You saw that picture of that guy. I, want, I don't, doesn't say here necessarily got beat, but there was some kind of attack on him. And I want you to feel that. I want you to think of when you're in someone who you love deeply and you're in conflict with them and it's tense. Okay, take that feeling and that's what it feels like for Paul. Okay, don't just gloss over that. He said, there's things going on. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they, Paul and Barnabas, shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium, which is where we're going to go this week. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. That's just radical. You got this whole thing going on and they're just filled with joy with what God's doing. Now let's take a look at what happens in Iconium. Let's read the whole thing and then we'll kind of look at it a little bit at a time. Chapter 14. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a large number, a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up, against, stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling the, them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and other with the apostles. There was, there was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them, but they found out about it and fled to the Laocian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. I just want to kind of take a little look at this with you this morning. Look what's going on in this passage. It is really amazing. First of all, they already had a bad experience. They already had a bad experience, and they go to another place to continue it on. Now, I know it's easy for you just to look at, open up the Bible and go, oh man, we got Green Bay Packer fans here. Uh, no, sorry, side thought. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> let's pray. No. Um, <clears throat> Oh, uh, man, now I'm lost. Uh, it, it's, easy, it's easy to look at the Bible and just go, well, he's Paul. And he's going to do it because he's Paul. Well, yeah, Paul's one of my heroes. But the only way he became Paul is, well, I mean, he was Paul, but Billy became great is because he did it. And he did it in real time. He didn't do it thinking, well, I'm going to do this and it's, you know, it's, it's what I do. This makes no sense to you. I can see by your face. Let me give you an example. I just came uh, from a place where I first went to Seattle, and then I went from Seattle to Denver, and then I came from Denver home last night around 10 o'clock. Now, let's just say that I was there on a, on a trip where I was to share, I wanted to go and share Christ with people. So I went to Seattle, and it goes miserably. I mean, they, they treat me horrible in Seattle, and they shake their fist at me and, and yell at me and the whole thing. And a few people do believe, but most don't. My thinking is, 
My first thought is, that was rough. I think, I think I need a little bread and, bread and breakfast time. You know, I think I'll take some time off. I'll come home. I'm just going to kill this second part of the trip. Don't make Paul out to be some kind of superhero or human. He's a real guy with real stresses, and yet he still chose, he and Barnabas still chose to continue on even after a rotten experience. And you know what? If you read the book of Acts, it's just going to get worse all the way through for Paul. Look at verse 1. They keep going. They go back to the Jewish synagogue. They just got beat up in a Jewish synagogue in Pisidian Antioch, and they go back to this Jewish synagogue. If they go there and they're, they're able to speak in such a way that a great number believe. Now, I don't know what a great number is, but it's bigger than small. So it's more than one and less than five million. Somewhere in there, this great multitude happens. It's enough people, so it's stirring up the city. Researchers say that if, if you're reaching one to two percent of your city with any message at all, you've reached that city. Like if you're blanketing it for a market, uh, you know, a product, or if you're a church, if you're in a community and one to two percent of the people are actively involved in your church, you've had a significant impact on that church. I don't know if it's that many people or not, but it's a great number. In fact, look at verse 2. People hate them for it. The Jews hate them, and look at what they do. They stir up trouble, and then look at this word. They poison their minds. They poison their minds. It's like that scene from Lord of the Rings where a worm tongue, worm tongue, is that the guy's name? Don't believe him. That tongue, don't believe him. That's what's happening. They're, they're poisoning their minds against them. And I want you to feel that tension. I want you to feel the tension that's happening there. I just got back from, met with a whole bunch of pastors in all the, both these places. And the second place was, uh, I was at, it's a good friend of mine who pastors a church in the Twin Cities here. He went through a deal. He, he started the church about 13, 14 years ago. He went through a deal where it was so divisive in his church that the church lost 20% of the people and one-third of the staff left in hatred. Now, I don't know whose fault it is. I'm not going to go there. Because, uh, you know, you hear kind of one side of the whole thing. But, but as I listened to these stories, there was a couple of the staff members there, and I listened to the stories of these guys. It was painful. Just think what it would be like if you had someone who you trusted and loved, and they were coming around and talking to your friends behind your back about you and poisoning your mind. That's what's happening to Paul. He's had this great number of people that are responding, and the Jews back there, no, no, no. Paul wants your money. He's in it for money. He's just in it for himself or whatever. And he's poisoning their, their, oh, man, it's just, it's intense. And then, now, what's the logical thing there? Here they've already went through this once, and they said, you know what, let's give it one more try. And they go to Iconium, and they say, let's go to Iconium, and here it happens again. So what do you think verse 3 would say? Verse 3, if I were writing the Bible for our pause, so Paul and Barnabas said, you know, we need a break. The first word, the first word in verse 3 is so. Means therefore they did something. So what do they do? They stood there a long, they stood there, stayed there a long time. Does that not shock you a little bit? That is totally nuts. Staying somewhere where it's hard to continue to be involved in very difficult relationships when our people absolutely hate you. And it says, so they stayed there a considerable time. Then it says these amazing words. Speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. 
I don't have a shiny dime on me today. Anybody know where that comes from? Anybody know what that's an answer to? Anybody? Nobody. Flip back to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> when the, the first time the apostles ever had any kind of persecution, starting in verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their, raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats, and here's the radical part of the prayer, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to, to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The answer to Acts chapter 4 happens all the way through, but we see it directly here in Acts chapter 14. What are they doing? They're getting trashed on. So what do they do? They stay. They stay and they speak boldly about God. And it says that they were able to do it in such a way that they're doing miraculous signs and wonders. It's an exact answer to Acts chapter 4. Look at the next couple of verses there. The people were divided. Some sided with the Jews. Other, there's a plot afoot, afoot about it. Whole, uh, they found out about this plot and they fled when this plot was to actually to mistreat them, to stone them, to kill them. So they full-blown division. It's just chaos time and they realize now is the time to go. But only now. The Holy Spirit's leading us now to go. And then look what happens in verse 7. Do they go to the bed and breakfast? I like bed and breakfast. Nothing gets bed and breakfast. There's time place for bed and breakfast. Look what they do in verse 7. They go to Lystra and Derbe where they continue to preach the good news. Isn't that great? These people are just tenacious. Now, I'm going to spend just the remainder of our time together just in application this morning. A little bit, two of them I'm just going to talk about and one we're actually going to kind of do together here this morning. First application is this. What is the motivation that causes you to be like that? Why did they keep on going? Why did they stay when they were in the face of persecution? Why did my brother, who I've never met, and I hope someday to give him high five in heaven, the Vietnamese pastor there, why does he keep preaching Christ when he's getting beaten up? Perhaps he'll be killed. Perhaps his family will be killed. Why do you do that? What's the motivation? That is stupid, really, if you think about it. I don't like pain. I don't like being hurt. I don't like my house being burned down. Why do you do this then, right? If I came to a city and I was selling encyclopedias and they came to me and said, stop selling encyclopedias or we're going to trash you, and I thought, yeah, yeah, whatever. So I sell the encyclopedias and then some guy beats me to a pulp. What am I going to do? Anyone? Stop selling encyclopedias. Right? This is stupid, right? I'm not going to do this. Why would you do it then 
If you're coming and you're talking to others about Christ, why? That doesn't, that doesn't compute. I've been reading in my devotional time through books of 1 and 2 Corinthians, and uh, I think I got the answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I really, if this is something you're struggling with, if you're struggling with how do I live life satisfied in this world even though circumstances, whether they're from persecution from other people or just circumstances of living here, how do I live life in such a way that I'm a hopeful person or that I'm a, a person that looks beyond my circumstances? If you're struggling with that, man, let me encourage you to spend a week just meditating on 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5. Just park your butt there for two, th two, three, four days and just read them and think slowly about this stuff and it'll change your mind. He kind of sums it up here in chapter 5. And this is Paul who's writing this so I can, we can see what his motivation is. He says this in, in verse 6, Therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body we are away from the Lord. We live by faith not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Stop right there. You see that? That is radical living. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You, I, I loved what, 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 what uh, Chris said. He says, I just want to be like Jesus when he got baptized. That's great, man. If you want to, if you want to have that, if you want to live life in a way that's hopeful in spite of personal tragedy, because I promise you it'll come in one way, shape, or form. If it doesn't happen to you in, or directly, it'll happen to you indirectly. How do you have hope in that? It's because it's like this. If my hope is in this speaker, then I'm going to get close to this. Ooh, is that going to be feedback? No, I'll be all right, right? I'm going to get close to this speaker. I'm just going to hold it. I love this speaker. Take it home everywhere I go. Think of that speaker as your life, and I just, I need my speaker. But but what heaven is, and what the call of Christ is, is it's that speaker over here. And as you're going through life, if you're going through life and you're getting older and personal tragedy comes and you can't grab your life anymore, you're moving further away from your treasure. Right? But don't treasure that speaker. Treasure this speaker. So when life, so when life gives you difficulties, you're looking this way anyway and things get harder and you go, this is great. I'm getting closer to this speaker. I'm getting, I'm getting better all the time. That's what he's saying here. He says, we are confident, I say, and we'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. If you don't have that mentality, if you're longing after this speaker, I got nothing but frustration for you in this life. Jesus said, if you hang on to your life, you will lose it. Why? Because... You, just because you're getting older, you're getting further away, you're getting closer to eternity, and you can't hang on to it anymore. If you hang on to your life, you lose it. Jesus said this, so if you lose your life, you'll find it. Because you go, okay, I'm going to let go of it. Ah, I need something, and you hang on to this speaker. That's actually what becoming a Christian is. It's when you let go of this speaker, and you say, Jesus, you are my speaker. You're my Savior. You're my Lord. I'm making this up right now, so this is the best I can do, all right? I got, I got nothing here about it, all right? <clears throat> Don't create a track that says, Jesus, just wake him your speaker. Share it with friends. 
But if you're looking towards Christ, you say, Jesus, you're my Savior, you're my Lord, you're my life. I embrace you. That's what it means to become a Christian. So we are confident. I say we prefer to be away from the body and home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Why? Because I'm always looking there. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You live in light of eternity. You don't live with your eyes focused on this way. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord we try to persuade men. You see it? There it is. Why does he keep doing this? Because this is reality. All I want to do to people is tell them, stop living, looking at the shadow of reality. Turn around and look at the mountain that's causing the shadow. What we are is plain to God and hope it's plain to your conscience. So if your treasure is this life and its joys and getting as much money and satisfaction out of people or careers or drugs, or sex, or vacations, or whatever. Paul staying in these missionary places makes no sense to you. But if it's possible that you and I were actually created, as C.S. Lewis said, he said, if I live in a world where I don't find true satisfaction, really deep satisfaction to the bottom part of my soul, if I live in a world like that, perhaps it's possible I was created for a different world. If your treasure is God and you love Jesus Christ first and foremost, if you're blown away that he loved you so much that he created a way to make himself able to forgive you, it's a big deal. God is completely just. He can't just go around saying, ah, you're forgiven. He has to, he's completely holy. So he, he, Jesus came to earth so that God could still be just and you could be forgiven. That's no small thing. <coughs> If you love that so much, then this makes total sense because you know what? You're not looking at this. Your eyes are focused over here. And yeah, you deal with things over there as they come up, but you're focused over here. Jesus said in Matthew 13, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Is Jesus your treasure? That's what motivated them. That's what motivated Paul, because Christ was all. So my question this morning for you, first one of two more in closing here is, are you willing to treasure Christ? Are you willing to treasure Christ? Some of you, for the very first time this morning, you're pondering treasuring Christ. Bethany gave a, I know it was Bethany, I got him right now. Bethany shared how she'd gone through all the motions, but it wasn't until she came to a point in her life where she decided, this is for me. I want to treasure it on my own. Maybe you're here this morning, and that's for you. Maybe it's just been kind of a religious game, or maybe you don't come from a church tradition whatsoever, but you say, today, man, today, I want to embrace Christ. You can do that right where you're sitting. You can just turn to Christ, even as we close in prayer and spend some time. We're going to spend some time in prayer in just a minute. You could just have a transaction with God and Tell them that. You want to turn from this? That's what repentance means. You want to turn from this and turn towards this. Others of you have, have made that initial deal, but you know what? It's, it is a one-time decision. It's one big yes, but it's followed by a lifetime of yeses because there's things in this speaker that are constantly yelling for my attention. And you start to think, why, how have I lost my passion? 
How have I lost my zeal for God? Why doesn't the Bible open up to me? Part of the problem is because you, you do one of these, but then you slowly turn back and you're focused all over here again. It's a daily exercise to say, I will not worship things in this life. I will worship you alone, Christ. Are you willing to treasure Christ to the point that even if you suffer, even if you suffer, it'll be worth it. I was at a church in, in Seattle. Uh, it's a church that's, Seattle's one of the most, if not the most, unchurched cities in the country. Very secular. I mean, as a church there, it's just growing like leaps and bounds. And I talked to a lady. She's been a Christian five years. She, um, three weeks after she placed faith in Christ, her husband, who led her to Christ, got cancer. He was dead within six months. And you kind of you stare at her and go, well, how did that go, being three weeks old in the Lord? And it was like a foreign question to her. It's like, well, just hung on to Jesus. It was beautiful. She didn't have those questions because she was hanging on to Jesus for dear life. Are you willing to treasure Christ even if it means suffering? The last question I have for you this morning is this. Are you willing to cheer on those who are treasuring Christ, who are embracing him, who are hanging on to him for dear life as they undergo serious persecution. i got a couple things I'd like to encourage us to do. One of three things I'd like to have you to commit to. You don't have to do all three. I'd love to do at least one of them. Inside your, inside your worship folder, I didn't get one. Could I grab one just for... Thanks, Nick. Um, you have a... You have a... It's great. She's already got hers done. Um... You have a, uh, a form here, and it tells you a little bit about the, the, uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, in a little bit, I'll have some websites you can jot down, but on the back of it, there's just a little place you can give a note. I don't know if you've ever gotten a little note from someone when life is hard. It means a lot. And I just would love to have us send these notes to people all over, all over the world who are undergoing persecution. An organization by the name of Open Doors. Um, Brother Andrew, if you're familiar with him, he founded that ministry. Here's a place you can, you can write a note. If you'd like to be on there, on there, I'm not endorsing Open Doors at all. But if you'd like to get some information from them, you can do this. But you don't have to. You could just you know, write your first name so they know it's a personal note. But you could write a note to them. We're, we're going to give you an opportunity even right here to do that. The second thing I'd like to have you do is um, possibly get an email newsletter through Voice of the Martyrs. You can get that from persecution.com. You can sign up for their email newsletter and get it once a month. And what I do is I pray through it once. And then I delete it, unless there's something that the Lord says you need to pray more on this. But I pray through the newsletter. It keeps you in touch. Third thing I'd like you to do, and, and just today, and you can take time. You can either write that letter or you could do this I'm going to show, uh, this month uh, I got five countries and situations to pray for. And after I close in prayer, I'm actually going to open it in prayer. And I'd like you to, to just take about, it's about three, four, five minutes, something like that. And there'll be some things on the slideshow. And you can just read through them and pray for that country. It'll be five different countries. This is actually the prayer newsletter for this month. I've put some pictures and things to it. And not all of the pictures are from that country. I tried to do that, but I couldn't get them all to, to line up. 
but just a way to right now, right here, pray through this month's newsletter as a church. And so you can just pray silently on your own. If you really would like to be with another person, that's fine too. Or if you want to, you can just write a little note to, to uh, some of our heroes uh, around the world. Let me pray, and then we'll open it up for a time of prayer for the persecuted church around the world. God, I loved what Cor prayed. Uh, Lord, we pray for deliverance. We pray for peace for these people. God, but even more so, I pray that they would embrace you wholeheartedly. Jesus, that you would give them everything. Lord God, that you'd be with them. Bless us today, God. Now open our hearts, God, as we either write or pray or do both now. Would you just open us up to whatever you'd have us to to lead us through for these countries? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.